morning, everyone, and welcome back to Thompson Coburn LLP's Three Lawyers in a Drone podcast coming to you from Washington, D.C. My name is Sean McGowan, and I'm a partner in the Federal Regulatory Practice Group and co-chair of the firm's UAS Practice Group. And as always, I'm joined by Associates Tyler Black and Mike Deutsch. Mike? Thanks, Sean, and thanks to everyone who listened into our last podcast regarding the basics of what new drone owners need to know before flying drones for fun. Today, we thought we would go over the basics of what is required if you intend to use your drone for business purposes under the small UAS regulations located at 14 CFR Part 107. We'll take a look at piloting requirements, operating rules, some waivers that you may need, and we'll provide some best practices at the end. So Tyler, tell us what is required to be a Part 107 pilot. Sure. So in order to fly commercially or for other business purposes, uh, what the FAA requires is um, first for you to obtain a remote pilot certificate, uh, and that comes with a little rider called the small UAS rating that goes along with your certificate. The exam that's related to obtaining this certificate is an aeronautical knowledge test. It has 60 questions on it, and there are two hours to complete it. You'll need a passing score of 70% for that test. So Tyler, what, uh, what are some of the topics on that exam and how do you prepare for it and where, where do you actually take it? So the, the topics for the exam come from the Part 107 regulations itself. It's a test of your knowledge of those regulations, um, of general airspace classifications so that you know where you're flying and where others are flying, um, operations and flight restrictions that are specific to drones, um, sources of weather and the effects that the weather has on drone performance generally, loading and other performance issues, pre-flight procedures, emergency procedures, maintenance and inspections procedures, along with a few other um, topics. The, there, there are test pre preparation materials available online, and it's not something that is um, like getting a PhD to study for. You, you look at the, the test topics, you look at the practice questions, and you study them. Uh, you'll have to, when, you, when it comes time to taking the test itself, you'll have to schedule an appointment uh, at one of the several FAA-approved knowledge testing centers available uh, or able to be located on the FAA's website. And if you pass, you'll apply for their certificate with your passing score online through the FAA's Integrated Airman Certification and Rating Application System. It's much the same as a manned flight certificate. Um, it's the same process, it's just a diff slightly different test. You'll get a temporary certificate via email after you pass the test and the TSA screening background component. So after you receive that temporary certificate, you can fly, and you'll get your permanent certificate via regular mail after the FAA finalizes the processing. That certificate is good for two years. Interesting. Now, Tyler, you're a private pilot, and uh, I'm curious, as a private pilot, do you have to go through all of that too? So, um, good question. I do not... And, and private pilots do not have to go through all of the same requirements. If they uh, want to fly for business purposes, they would need to uh, have their, their current license um, be uh, up to date 
and have had a flight review in the last 24 months pursuant to the regulations. And once that has, um, once that's in place, they would just need to complete the uh, SEOAS training course provided by the FAA online. So it's a bit of a shortcut. Okay, so are there any other specific pilot requirements? Sure. The basics are you need to be at least 16 years old. You must be able to read, write, speak, and understand English. You must be of sound physical and mental well-being. And as discussed above, you must also undergo that TSA background check. Okay, so now that we know what certification uh, you need to fly for business, are there any aircraft or operational requirements that you need to adhere to when flying for business purposes? I'll take that one, Mike. Um, as, as we all know, the FAA's goal is to safely integrate UAS into the national airspace system. And, um, you know, so with when we're talking about businesses, we're going to be talking about, or business flight, rather, we're going to be talking about a little more detailed requirements for flying uh, your UAS for commercial purposes. So looking at the aircraft itself, again, on, under, under Part 107, the aircraft still must be under 55 pounds to be considered a small UAS. Um, and like we talked about last week in our last podcast, the aircraft must be registered uh, and the aircraft must be labeled with a registration number. In, in terms of the app actual application or operation of the UAS, um, the, main, the main point, as always, is to remember that you, you can't operate in a careless or reckless manner to in, so as to endanger the public or property. That's what the FAA's main consideration is. Um, you can't fly over 100 miles per hour. You can't... Uh, operate over 400 feet. You must keep the aircraft in visual line of sight. Uh, you can't operate from another moving aircraft. Um, the remote pilot can't operate multiple aircraft, small UAS at the same time. Um, you can't operate at night. You can't operate over people. Um, you know, th all those things that I just discussed, many of them uh, you're able to seek a waiver for, for operation. Uh, in fact, the last two, operating at night and over people, are subject to a current notice of proposed rulemaking entitled Operation of Small Unmanned Aircraft Systems Over People. And that proposed rule would allow you, without a waiver, uh, to conduct night operations when certain conditions are present. And those conditions currently they're talking about in the NPRM or when a pilot has certain nighttime uh, operation qualification training, and the aircraft has anti-collision lighting um, that's visible from three, three miles away. And, and as far as over people, uh, flights over people, FAA is looking, at to, looking into what would be permissible based on a level of risk to people on the ground. Um, so those are some of the aircraft and operational aspects uh, that we were talking about. And obviously, Tyler talked about the piloting. So, Mike, are there any additional best practices that you suggest before actually operating your business UAS? Yes, Sean, uh, definitely. Here are a few things to consider before you fly for business purposes. First, you should document your company's UAS policy, all applicable procedures, and be sure to draft pre- and post-flight checklists. Now, if you don't have them, make sure you do have them before your first flight. You should also be sure to review your state and local rules or ordinances before flying. You should also document every flight and specifically indicate that you are operating under Part 107. Related to Part 107, you should document whether a Part 107 waiver is required, and if you obtain one, keep it with you when you fly. 
You should also be sure to consult the app B4U, that's letter B, number four, letter U, fly, and take a screenshot for documentation purposes. And finally, if you're using a third-party provider to conduct the drone operations, make sure that you have a contract with that provider outlining who exactly is in control of the flight and a clear indication of the insurance, liability, and indemnification provisions. Great. Those are all good pointers, um, including the the idea to take a screenshot for documentation purposes of the Before You Fly app. It's really important to do that before you fly as opposed to trying to reconstruct what was going on afterwards. Thanks, Mike, and thanks to everyone for listening. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us. As always, feel free to submit questions or topics that you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast, either through contacting us by our Thompson Coburn LLP webpage or direct messaging the TC Drone Twitter page at TC Drone Law. Disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute legal advice and does not cover all the applicable rules. It is for informational purposes and to generate thoughtful discussions about the current issues facing drone operators in the U.S. and elsewhere. Thanks, everyone.